We open this time outside of Jeremiah's darkened apartment. Our camera pans up through the ceiling and into an apartment above his. Inside, we see the back of a woman with hair in a braided bun exposing her tan neck. On the back of the chair she is sitting in is draped a jacket with the symbol Dinah described emblazoned in red. As we focus in on that symbol, it morphs into an upside-down flower with a broken stem drawn in red pen, and we pull out from a notebook being written in by Castawit. We see her jot down a question, a look of determination in her eyes as she gazes out the small window casting moonlight in on her small table. In the distance, across the lake, we can see Point Claire. And we cut to Alex. Alex, where are you? So Alex, having just left the uh, estate of Rosalie Mercier, is heading back towards his bookshop to prepare for church courting tonight. And as part of that, I need to make a call to Silk. Hello. Hello, Silk. Uh, I have a particular request. That seems to be going around lately. What can I help you with? Ah, well. So you know how you like to hang around my bookshop and just uh, drink in the emotions of the young people that come in, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Um... I think I would like to experience some of that for myself. I'm, I'm going to church tonight, and I'd like a date. Specifically, Isabel Lane, one of the uh, clergy members from the St. Clair Parish in Eldersburg. Do you think you could make that happen? What exactly is it that you're asking of me? I'm asking you to bring Isabel Lane to the Point Clare Cathedral tonight, at midnight. Is that a thing you are capable of? Could I put a uh, face to a name for this person? Sure, roll with power. No. Alex says the name again, and you are trying to, like, rack your head. Do you know this person? And you don't. And that makes you a little uneasy, because you know quite a few people especially those in Five Points, where your dear friend Victor lives now. And if you don't know them, and they're involved in some of this supernatural stuff somehow, that's kind of odd, because people tend to come for you in favors in these last 20 years. I'm afraid I actually do not know this person, but I will see about remedying that before tonight. Wonderful. I, I think you would quite enjoy it. It's for love, after all. That is a delicious emotion. Wonderful. I'll see you tonight. And I hang up. I think the camera is going to be Silk. Um, he's actually still in the country club, and I think he's in the sauna in a towel. All right. So, Silk, do you want to go about your task? Does somebody else have something they want to do? I think we got enough going on at this point that I'm just going to follow what all you want to do. No one else has anything. I think I need to go try and find this person. Is that I hit the streets? Yes, yeah, so this person was in the, the power faction, so I'll need someone from the power faction probably to help me with that. Or you have your yet-to-be-named priest friend who works at the church that she's a chaplain of. Cool, let's introduce her, because why not? She's in my backstory. All right, what do you want to name her? Let's actually give this person a old-fashioned name. This is going to be Beatrice White, and she's played by Betty White. Even though Beatrice White is involved with the church, Beatrice White's mortality. So please roll with mortality. That is a 10. When you hit the streets on a hit, they're available and have the stuff. So we get that shot of Silk heading to the church 
in Five Points. The church in Five Points is still a Gothic church. It is not nearly as extravagant as Point Claire proper. It feels very much like your standard Catholic church you find in downtown of cities. And it's not a huge church, but it's sizable. If they held Christmas mass, people would still have to stand. There wouldn't be enough space for everyone to sit. But I mean, that's Christmas mass. And we follow Silk into the church where Beatrice White is sitting in quiet contemplation. Um, Reverend White. Perhaps I might trouble you for uh, a stint in the confession booth. Oh, Silk, my old friend. Sure, of course. So while in there, Silk does confess his litany of sins since the last time he was in here. And I'm sure Beatrice gives him the Catholic way for forgiveness and what, how many Hail Marys to do, which Silk does do in between these um, sessions, just because. But once that's done, yeah, they come out to talk again. That'll be when Silk actually talks to her. All right, my dear child, I need you to do 20 Hail Marys, 40 Our Fathers, and to say a nice thing to a friend this week. Really? That's only half of uh, last time. Well, you are here sooner than normal. Well, I will keep that in mind, and I will make sure to accomplish these great feats before uh, the next time I see you. However, I did not come here just to uh, ask for forgiveness again. I'd like to see if you could help me with something. Oh, and what is that, my child? Um, I'm actually looking for someone. I'm someone who I believe is associated with the church. Um, and I was hoping you might be able to introduce me. It's not uncommon for you to want things. Who are you looking for? Her name is Isabel. Our chaplain. Um, yeah, just give me like five minutes and I'll be back with her. So Beatrice leaves you alone in the church proper and disappears into the back part of the church, which has living quarters attached to it. And you can't really hear anything until the two of them come walking back. As we've established, Beatrice is kind of an older woman. She's on the fairly short side. She shows her age. Her hair is stark white. And standing next to her is Isabel Lane. Isabel is African-American, medium height. Her hair is natural and well cared for, and she carries herself very properly. She walks like somebody who knows her worth. Oh, Isabel, this is who I was telling you about, my uh, queer friend, Silk. Oh, Reverend, you wound me so. It's a compliment, my dear. Silk smiles, and um, he's obviously playing at being wounded he then shifts his focus to uh isabel i'd actually like to see if i can do a figure it out and see if i can get some of that sweet sweet hold roll with mind as we get that shot of the two of you shaking hands and her trying to also figure you out in return i am not rolling well the two of you shake hands and for a minute you feel like her clasp on you tighten her fingernails almost digging into your wrist. And just as quickly, she pulls away. She keeps a very smooth face the entire time. And she turns to Beatrice and, Oh, Reverend Beatrice, my dear, please, thank you for introducing the two of us. I will find out what he wants. You should go to bed. Oh, yes, thank you, my dear. I am getting rather tired. I will see you in the morning. 
Isabel waits until Beatrice makes it like back into that area where you couldn't hear anything before. And then she turns to you. Would you mind telling me what a fae is doing in my church? Well, your, um, your, um, silly man in the skies, the forgiving type, isn't he? Yes, but probably not of your type. Don't you have a queen or something? Oh, I don't like to talk about her. She crosses her arms. You can tell she's gone a little, more than a little on the defensive, and looks you up and down. And who gave you my name? Um, it's actually, um, a friend of mine, a a bookshop owner. She stares at you with just like that look of continue. He seems to have a desire to meet with you. And I kind of fancy myself a facilitator of things. And if I don't want to be facilitated? Well, that would be a shame. Unfortunately, I didn't get the figure it out, so I don't know what she wants. I mean, you could always change your approach. You can always try to persuade or mislead, distract, or trick. I even might still say you might be misleading because you said, oh, a bookshop owner, which is really only like part of the truth. I was completely intending for her to imply uh, who that is. So if it looks like she's confused at all, I I will continue to drop in details for it. Nah, I mean, that's still probably about follows. So we have the, uh, and what if I don't want to be facilitated? And she's just staring at you. Unfortunately, our toothy friend has decided that he wants to call in one of his debts on me. So I am, hmm, I'm in a bit of a bind here. Um, well, it seems that you already know what I am. I would perhaps be willing to give you something in return if you are to meet with him. And what could you possibly have that I want? Hmm? If anything, I think I am the one who has something you want. Well, yes, that, that is why I'm trying to offer you something to get that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, are, are you not familiar <laughs> with how negotiations work? Oh, you should be more careful about shaking hands with unfamiliar people. You never know who might skim the surface. Now, unless you are going to give me something very convincing, I would kindly ask you to get the hell out of my church. I am actually trying to offer her a debt with me, if that works as a enough leverage for a persuade, maybe? Go ahead and roll, and we'll see what happens. I might retcon that last little bit. Alright, so you rolled a 13. I think we still got that line, and the two of you just kind of like staring each other down. And then you see maybe like a thought occur to her. Fine, I'll come with, but I need to change. And she like gestures towards the fact that she's still in church robes. And if possible, I would actually like to hurry this along and um, use a glamour and just put her in a straight up Disney princess gown. You can try that. She is not going to go for it. It will take me all of five minutes. And I think you can wait five minutes unless, you know, you want me to make this harder on you somehow. (laughs) Of course, I will simply kneel here and start on my paltry 20 Hail Marys. Don't forget the 40 Our Fathers. And she, like, disappears back into that area. It really does not take her long at all to change. When she comes back out, she's pretty practically dressed. Jeans, snow boots, a long jacket. Cool. Um, so I think that's all I need from uh, this scene. And yeah, I think I'm bringing her to wherever I'm supposed to. All right. So before we continue this line, Victor and Jeremiah, what are your 
characters up to. I know Jeremiah was at Dinah's. I can ruin that all somehow if you need me to. Please don't. Jeremiah's got enough stuff happening that he doesn't need more. Victor, are you uh, up to anything? Victor's going to go to Walmart and buy a phone. So we get those couple of filler shots of Jeremiah and Dinah, like, asleep in bed. Victor in a very harshly lit Walmart that's way too bright, looking at those $20 Go phones. And then we are to Alistair, who has a date, or somewhat of a date tonight. Yes, I do believe I was meeting up to third wheel a date with the spooky church. Evidently, you're fourth wheeling it now. Hey, that makes a proper car. Actually, I think Silk is probably going too, isn't he? I mean, you're coming along, at least to drop Isabel off. Yeah, I mean, you stay if you want to. That's that's up to you. This looks curious, so uh, I think I'll stay. Yeah, I don't recall what the logistics of the plan were. Were we just meeting there? Yep, midnight at the spooky church. All right. In that case, Alistair is showing up about uh, 12.05. So who got there early? Who got there on time? And Alistair has already claimed showing up late. I think Alex would definitely have gotten there a little early. Uh, you know, it pays to be on time for these uh, for these things. So he has showed up with himself and with his very flashy arming sword. All right. So we cut from that shot of Victor in the Walmart to Alex. Where in the church are you approaching? Are you just like waiting outside of the closed gate at this time of night or? Yes, I am going to wait for the rest of my group to arrive because I have courtesy. We get that shot of Alex courteously, but also impatiently waiting everyone else to show up. And Silk, you make it right on time. Silk arrives just at the 12th bell. So I get there exactly on time with Isabel in tow. Alex, um, you're a bit early, but um, I've brought our mutual friend. And I am going to extend a hand towards Isabel, just graciously. A pleasure to meet you. You as well. She has her gloves on. That's fine. I think Alex probably does too, honestly, because, you know, appearances. Is she just going to leave me hanging? <laughs> no, she shakes your hand. Okay. And again, Alex, being the gentleman, will take it and, uh, and kiss her hand. We have a mutual friend that wanted me to have a chat with you. She kind of like, no, I do not like this, pulls her hand away from you. That's fair. Oh, and what would that chat be about? Well, we have one more showing up, so let's, let's wait just a moment. But in the meantime, and he looks over at Point Claire, and he looks back over at her. I think we might be able to come to an agreement. On what? Now, I've been here for a while, and... Recently, I have had designs on this fine building here. Frankly, I'd like it. And I believe you're in a position to assist me in that manner. In buying a church? Don't you need a real estate agent for that? <laughs> no. No such thing as crude physical ownership. I want to possess it. Own. She laughs and shakes her head in disbelief. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I don't kid. <sighs> get dragged out of my nice, comfy, warm living room for this. And what makes you think that I can help you possess a church, whatever that means to you? Because one of your cohorts believes that you are a thorn in their side, and this suggests to me that you have some sort of pull. Oh, fu Did Rosalie send you? Quite. Oh, that fucking bitch. 
So all this was you trying to purchase a church? <laughs> no, Silk, you should understand the difference in purchasing and owning. Oh dear. Well, um, you said someone else was joining us. And at that moment, Alistair pulls up. Yes, Alistair is going to climb out of his car in full attempting at looking like he has money regalia and strut his way up to the group that he, I assume, would be able to see from his car. So what's the um, plan here for tonight again? I'd like you to help me make some contacts. In what manner of speaking? You and a house full of ghosts and demons. I assume you know how to deal with those things. Well, you are the one that helps me to deal with them. Uh, I feel like you might know as much as I do. Ah, yes, but I enjoy your company as well. No, believe it or not, I don't hear that nearly as often as I'd like to. And I kind of motion between Isabel and Alistair. Alistair Lockwood, Isabel Lane. Charmed. No, let me rephrase this. You two have probably met before. She lives in five points. I'm sure we at least know of each other then, yeah. The Lockwood name at the very least registers with her enough that she's not going to be sarcastic to you. That doesn't stop Alistair from introducing himself by extending his hand and saying, Alistair Lockwood of the St. Fleur Lockwoods. The pleasure is, well, we'll see about that. Isabel shakes your hand. Alistair, I've uh, heard of your family. Pleasure is all mine. Indeed. And she turns back to Alex. So... Besides you threatening me for Rosalie, what am I supposed to be doing here again? Oh, I'm not threatening you. I'm giving you an opportunity to get in on the ground floor. The ground floor on what exactly? I'm still not sure I follow what you all are here trying to do. And I think, uh, is the gate locked? Yes, the gate's always locked. Cool. I'm just gonna try and tear that off, just barehanded. Roll to let it out. That's a seven. I will mark corruption. And I don't know what, I guess you're taking definite hold of something vulnerable or exposed. Yeah, I'm just taking that lock and then uh, going to swing the gate open. Shall we continue this discussion inside? Well, this is certainly getting more interesting. I really wouldn't go in there if I was you. Luckily or not. Well, if that's what you want. Oh, it very definitely is. And I feel like we need a cut. Jeremiah, Dinah has fallen fastly asleep at this point. Alright, I guess it's going to be a restless night for Jeremiah. In the interest of fiction, he will not be sleeping. Just yet. Maybe someone calls him with his new phone. Victor, are you calling Jeremiah? Yeah. Jeremiah will see his phone light, pick it up, quietly close the door, and head out to Dinah's main room. Couple of rings before he finally answers. Jeremiah, uh, antiques acquisition, how can I help you? Hello, Jeremiah. This is Victor. Oh, Victor! Did you get a new phone again? Yeah, I lost mine. Uh, yes, lost. How can I help you, dear boy? So, I was wondering, there have been a string of murders in St. Fleur recently. All people who are, let's say, empowered? Uh, yes, I do keep abreast of such things. Um, I have a few questions about those, if you have the time. Mm, yes, I, I do believe I have time right now. Is this a face-to-face -face meeting, or are we doing this over the phone? I'm not coming out to where you are, so if you want to come to five points, that's fine. But we can do it over the phone. Phone will be much preferable. I want to cash in a debt to have you answer a question honestly. Okay. Who do you think is the biggest enemy of the church? 
That sounds like I need to roll something to know. If you want to retroactively consult your arcane network, I can tell you what you heard at the last convention. Yes, let's uh, assume he's hit the streets at some point. So he'll roll for that. That is a partial success. When you hit the streets, you get what you need. Name who you're going to, general convention. Enroll with their faction on a hit, they're available and have the stuff on a 7 to 9, choose 1. Since we're doing this retroactively, I think we kind of have to go with whatever you need is more costly than anticipated. And you're going to owe Hugo Bebin for this information. That's fair. So you remember at a lunch where you unfortunately got sat next to Hugo that he had been speaking of the local religion here. And how some of the hunters in the area seem to not be exactly pleased with how the uh, church is being run. That there were rumors about plenty of powered individuals in the higher echelons of the church using it as a front. And that a hunter group known as the Brigade, led by Fatima Sanchez, has made it pretty known that they're not happy with the way things are. Well, uh, I do know a couple things. What's reached my ears is that a group of hunters known as the Brigade um, probably, I guess, assumed rightly that certain uh, powered individuals uh, are using local religious institutions as a front. Well, can't really tell you much more than that, Victor. Mm. Do you have a name? Fatima Sanchez. She's their leader. All right, good. Um, thanks. Um, I'll put the introducing my mother to you behind me. Fair enough. Thanks for the information. And one last thing before I go. Are you concerned you'll be a target? Uh, of what? Of the murders. Murders? No, not really. Good. Let me know if you need anything. I'm sure I will. Have a good night, Jeremiah. Good night, Victor. And Victor hangs up the phone. All right. Well, Victor decides what he wants to do. We cut back to the group and the spooky church. All right. So, Alex, you broke the gate. Yes. And then I've basically opened it for the rest of the group. We're basically just going to head up towards the building. As you all step into the grounds, you, like, pass the gate you can feel like a shift in the air. It is warmer on the church grounds and dense fog has collected around the church. You can see like specks of light here or there, but anytime you like start to focus on one too much, it shifts into a flower. And uh, Alex has definitely brought with him one of those roses that he initially brought. And he's just taking it out of his lapel and uh, sort of twirling it between his fingers at this point. And looks over at Isabel as we kind of come up towards the building proper. So why don't you explain to me exactly why it is you think I shouldn't go in there? Well, I think a brick through a window is a pretty clear message, don't you? Stay away, maybe? A brick thrown by a handmaid of a bureaucrat who has a petty dispute with you. That is frankly laughable. Ah, but do you really think it was the bureaucrat that told her to do it? Oh, I emphatically don't, which is why I'd like to speak with whoever did. Maybe you'll get to, maybe you won't. We'll see how she favors you tonight. Ah, it's a she then. Isabel, like, opens her mouth and then shuts it. 
and looks away with kind of that shit I said something I probably shouldn't have. And uh, at that point, assuming Silk and or Alistair aren't doing anything, I think I do want to kind of pay attention to the, the changes that are happening around here as we're heading up towards the church. Would that count as like an investigate a place of power sort of thing? Yes, 100%. Please investigate a place of power. Roll with power. That is an eight. When you investigate a place of power, roll with the faction that owns it. On a hit, you see below the surface to the reality underneath. So, Alex, as you are taking in the surroundings, you get the feeling of home. Not the bookshop, not anywhere you've lived in the States, but that little hamlet that you grew up in back in France. This entire grounds reeks of magic from that area, from France. I think Alex, despite himself, actually looks very happy to be here. And at that point, I'm just going to knock on the door of the spooky church. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right, I, I'm gonna hack a move. I need all three of you to give me a spirit roll, please. I got a 13, then. A 10 from me. What happens as the knock on the door takes place? Silk, you feel something kind of under your feet shift a little bit, and you start to get woozy. It doesn't take quite the hold on you that it normally would on a human because you're fey, but as you go to, like, fall, Isabel looks completely prepared to, like, she knew that was going to happen, and just, like, throws an arm out and catches you. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, she seems to favor two of you tonight. Silk, if you want to walk in, you can, but I would really advise that you don't. Oh, this is just getting more interesting, though. I am not going to tell you how to live your life. I mean, I could, but... Well, most people who do that uh, don't do it much longer. Silk, I think I'm going to go ahead and have you take one harm for that. Got it. Alex and Alistair, nothing seems to happen to either of you. Do you all enter the church? Oh, I'm definitely entering the church. Alistair is entering, looking very guarded. Yep, Silk trapes in. Isabel kind of like stays holding on to you like a little bit, Silk, as the two of you, like she walks in with you. And Alistair, you notice this too late to like be able to stop your footfall. But when Alex takes a couple of steps in, he disappears in front of you. That's not good. And then Silk, you see Alistair disappear from in front of you. Oh, lovely. One of these. Yes, one of these. And Silk jumps in. I like to imagine that Alistair notices and like turns to say something to Silk as he's going forward. And he's like, watch out. And Isabel is walking in with you and says, oh, well, unfortunately, you're on my arm. So uh, I don't think anything quite as interesting is going to happen for you. And the two of you just walk into a plain old church. Oh, interesting. Shall we wait for your friends to be done? Well, while I'm here, I might as well go exploring. Mm, by all means, you'll find nothing. And she sits down in one of the pews and, like, pulls a shitty romance novel out of her pocket. Oh, I've actually read that one. Oh, I'll, I'll try not to spoil you. I want to hate you, and yet I can't. I get that a lot. All right, Alex, you feel the world around you shift for a minute, and then it all settles back in. And you find yourself in the bell tower. You get the feeling that you're not in St. Fleur proper anymore. 
it's too quiet even for Point Claire. What do you do? Is there a bell in the spell tower? Yes, there is. I think I'm going to reach out and pull the ringer for the bell and then let that ring for just a second and uh, say, Ma chère, je suis à la maison. Salut-moi, si tu veux. Which is basically, I'm home. Why don't you come say hi? As you ring the bell, we get a deafened and dull ring. Like it all moves right, but it's like the sound is following it just half a second behind and going through some sort of filter. And as you say that, a ghost materializes on the other side of the bell from you. She is wearing a old dress that has surprising amount of buttons and ribbons tied around the sleeves. Her hair is loosely plaited and she stands like she was raised to be a lady. And in French, she asks you, why are you here? I sent flowers. I just wanted to make sure that you received them. I thought that they were sent back. Well, far be it from me to take no for an answer. Oh, a French gentleman through and through, then. And I just kind of shrug at her. Truth is, I've been wanting to meet you for a while. To declare my intentions, as it were. And what would those be, my dear bookkeeper? I'd like for us to be friends and allies, but failing that, I am going to own this cape. And I'd like to do that with you, but it is not required. She kind of like gently smooths her skirts out as she steps around the bell towards you. Oh, but I already have plenty who are willing to do my bidding. What do you bring to the table? <laughs> you misunderstand. I won't be doing your bidding. You'd be doing mine. Hmm. I hardly see why I'd want to change my position as it is, then. And I kind of uh, give a very fancy bow over one hand. Then I suppose we are at odds. Only if that's how you view it. And she takes the rose from your hand. And as she does so, you appear at the confessional of a regular old church. I kind of like, you know, straighten myself out. Uh, is there a priest in this confessional? I hope not. No, there's not. Okay, good. And uh, see myself out. When you step out into the church proper, you see Isabel Lane sitting in a pew, reading a book. Alistair, you find yourself back in the sanctum. And in there are two people wearing the same gold masks from the visions Alex received earlier. One, you can tell, is a woman. She is relatively thin, but looks like she could manage herself. And you see a little bit of blonde hair poking out from under her hood. The other is also a woman. She is taller and slightly plumper. And her exposed skin is olive-toned. What sort of positioning do I find them in? Like, what's the sort of scene around Alistair as he realizes what's going on? You, like, reappeared standing at a table. On the table, there are, like, a couple of books and scrolls. It feels similar to a work table. And they are both standing on the other side of the table from you. 
I am sorry to have interrupted whatever's going on here, though I do want to ask, what is going on here, in fact? The olive-skinned lady smiles at you as the blonde grabs one of the books and starts to walk away. Oh, uh, young Lockwood, is it? At least I believe that's what we gathered from outside. How quaint. Um, yes, you know my name. It's quite rude to leave me wondering about yours, though. I am Angela, though most here would address me as the Orchid. And you seem to have stumbled right on what you're looking for, I think. And as she, like, gestures, you see a ring on her hand that matches the picture Silk had. All right. Would it be possible for me to put a face to a name here and try to figure out who the orchid might be? Or if I've heard that name before? Yes, go for it. This is power. That's a big fat six. You see, we originally tried to recruit your cousin, but she seemed less than willing to have a civil conversation. You're willing to have a civil conversation, aren't you? Why, of course I am. I'm nothing if not civil. Ah, uh, what we would actually expect from the Lockwoods. Some of us carry our family name better than others. No disagreement with you there, but our time is limited and I have a proposal for you. But if you were to take me up on this, you would likely lose any chance of getting your coven back by any way other than sheer force. I'm listening. You see what she was so fervently chasing after is a organization that I'm part of, as all of us are here in the church. And we are always open to more talented wizards and oracles to join our ranks. And of course, joining our ranks comes with power and resources that might not otherwise be available to you. There are some expectations, of course, as joining any coven would, but we would be able to help you in far more ways than she could. You see, you use that word wizard. I regret to inform you I'm not a wizard. I am a master of the arcane arts. Wizards perform cheap parlor tricks and children's birthday parties. If you're searching for someone to pull a hanky out of his sleeve, then perhaps we're thinking on different matters here. You see her jaw set for a minute and then, I'm sorry. Masters of the arcane arts and oracles are more than welcome in our ranks. As Alistair is fairly obviously stalling for time, would I be able to roll to figure her out and try to figure out exactly what's going on here? Yes. Roll with mind. That's an 11. So on a hit, hold two, and you get an additional question because she is part of the power faction. All right. I'm going to start it off by just sort of narrowing my eyes at her and say, So, you mentioned this church, and... In my experience, admittedly little of it, every church has a leader. Who might yours be? 
the Fleur. No one knows their name or personage. Then what is it that you all have with my cousin? What sort of rivalry have I stumbled into here? Oh, I would hardly consider her a rival. More of an asset that doesn't want to be one. And you catch on to, like, that little bit of venom in her tone. Um, your cousin is too ambitious for her own damn good. She seeks to take advantage of our ways, as many do, but rarely do we see another master of the arcane arts go through such back channels. It's really rather sad. And we would just much rather her not be an issue. And you worry what? That she will overtake you, drive you from St. Fleur, something to that effect? Oh, hardly. We worry that she will be successful in taking the position of the Fleur instead of the person who has been primed for the spot and bring our entire organization to ruins. Tell me a little bit more about these resources that would be at my disposal. Well, we do have the clergy and their ever-fervent following. Gives you plenty of hands. We have a rather sizable donation income and an accountant who's very good with the books. And, of course, that would give you access to a network of very powerful oracles and arcane masters, should you find yourself in need. If you have such resources... What need do you have for someone like me? How come you haven't simply stumped her out like a bug already? There is protocol, of course. We had an agreement with your ancestors, and we intend to continue to honor it until she breaks it. And I'm sure you wouldn't want to see that happen to your family, would you? You propose quite the interesting proposition. How long would I have to think on your offer? Kieran Shearer's funeral is set for the third, I believe. Should you choose to accept, merely attend and find a chaplain. If you are not there, we will assume that you have decided to go otherwise. I will see what my schedule looks like for that day. Hmm. Well, hopefully we get to talk again on such pleasant terms, but I believe you need to be going now. And when she says that, you find yourself in the confessional of a pretty regular church. It's been quite a while since I've been in one of these. <sighs> Admitting to my sins has never been my style. Alistair just stands up and walks out. Is there anything else the three of you want to do? Did you have that conversation with Isabel? Are you going to have a talk with her? I do actually want to have a talk with her since she's hanging out. I'm basically just going to go uh, head over and sit down next to her. And Alex actually looks pretty pleased with himself. Pleasant visit, I hope. And he kind of motions to his lapel where that rose was and then shows his empty hands to her. Well, she took my flower. I'm sure there's a euphemism in there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure there is, but I wouldn't know where to begin. She closes her book and slides it uh, and just sets it on the pew between the two of you. So what do you want to talk to me about? Simply this. I met with Rosalie Mercier earlier this evening, and she asked me to end you. Oh, she's jumping the gun? Oh, yes. 
I don't know how things are done in your particular organization, but to me that seemed very discourteous, and if nothing else, I believe in courtesy. While it is obvious you do not like me, I don't require you to like me. I would prefer to work with you, if you are amenable to this. And in your opinion, what does working with me entail, good sir? One way or another, I'm going to run this cape before very long. I would prefer to do it peacefully, and you have at least shown a willingness to meet and speak. I believe you could at least help facilitate that. Mostly, you'd be introducing me to people, but we'll see where that goes. She stares up at the uh, cross, tapping her fingers on the bottom of the pew. Well, if it keeps Rosalie and her little dog off my neck, I can make an introduction or two, and I always prefer the uh, peaceful approach, but this still might come back to haunt you at some point. You are aware of that, right? Nothing in this world comes for free. <laughs> Miss Lane, you are talking to the wrong person about being haunted. And I kind of look up at the cross as well, look back over here. I didn't expect to meet God here tonight, and I didn't. But I think I did meet someone that could be an ally. So are you willing to give her a debt for her ongoing cooperation? Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that, has Alistair showed back up yet? Just before Alistair shows back up, uh, she opens her book back up, tears like the copyright page out of it, and jots her number down. Nice. I think I'm going to tear that in half, and uh, Alex, you know, will write his on it as well. And there is one more thing that I want to do before I leave this church, and that's head up towards the pulpit, grab a Bible, and turn to a specific passage, and just underline that in pen. It's First John 4.18. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear. So we get that shot of Alex underlining the passage in the Bible. What is everybody else's closing shot? Silk is talking to Isabel, leaning over the pew and is like, oh, did you get to the part where Candy and Gerald hook up yet? What? She was clearly not at that part yet. Alistair's just going to look over at Alex and say, so did we accomplish what we set out to do tonight. Oh, of course. I generally do. Gave away the flower that I wanted to. How about you? I have a lot to consider. Let's leave it at that. Oh, of course. I think Jeremiah wants to make one last move for recession. And he wants to put a face to the name of Axel Simon. All right, so we get a couple of shots of Jeremiah Googling this name. Roll with Knight. Nope, that's free. We get that shot of Jeremiah like sitting with his back to the bedroom door on his laptop, typing in the name and like a couple of different iterations, trying to guess that spelling. And we see the bedroom door open. And Dinah steps out and starts to walk over to ask why you're up and to come back to bed. And then she sees the name on your Google search and her eyes narrow. I thought I asked you to drop it. You did. I, however, 
do like to keep abreast of things that worry the two of us. She shakes her head. Get out of my house. All right, Jeremiah will pack up his things. So we get those couple of shots of Jeremiah grabbing his belongings and heading out the door. And then Victor. We cut to a shot of my mother's house. It's night. It's very late. The lights are out. The phone rings. And then a voicemail starts from being recorded. Hey, moms. Sorry I didn't make it to dinner yesterday. I'll make it up to you. Uh, There's just a lot going on right now. Um, I can swing by later this week. Um, Oh, I got a new phone, too. The number is... He lists his new number. Anyway, feel free to call me. I love you both. And as our camera lingers on their house phone that's hanging in the kitchen with the voicemail light blinking. Further back in the house, we see the back door open and someone step in. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon at the link in the episode description. Another big thank you and shout out to our next two patrons, Lilf and Caleb. They both rock, so you should go check them out on Twitter. Lilf can be found at Purple Beholder, and Caleb can be found at Marshall Caleb. Find their handles in the episode description. Unable to be a patron but still want to support us? Consider leaving us a rating and review on your preferred podcatcher so others can see how much you like what you're hearing. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast emceed and edited by Caitlin Cornell. You can find her on Twitter at SuperCaitlin1. Alistair, whose way of introducing himself just immediately makes people hate him, is voiced and played by Andy. You can find him on Twitter at AndyLion92. Alex, who is courteous to everyone except the one ghost he really should be courteous to, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at TayuFace. Silk, who you can never trust to not ruin the ending of a book or movie, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, who is on a first-name basis with the Electronics Associate at Walmart, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore J-E. And finally, Jeremiah, who maybe should be worried that he'll be caught up in these murders, is voiced and played by Matthew. Urban Shadows is a powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at magpieofficial. The intro music used in this episode was Epic Unease by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his work at encompotech.com. The outro music used in this episode is Dark Carnival VL by Paratune. You can find their work at paratune.com. Farewell, dear listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur.